0: Hey podcast listeners, thanks for downloading this week's listener favorite episode from the archives. I'm in production for season five of Women on the Rise, new episodes premiere on January 8th. And I want to know what you think about the podcast. Please take a few minutes now to share your thoughts in a short Women on the Rise listener survey at Laradolch.com slash podcast survey podcast survey is all one word. Your feedback is a huge help as I experiment with different ways to make the podcast more relevant to your life. So please consider sharing your thoughts in the survey. I'd consider it a personal favor. That URL again is lauradolch.com slash podcast survey. See you back here with brand new episodes on January 8th. Enjoy the holidays. This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement and ambition.
1: Self-care is so relative and it's informed yes. by our histories and our cultures and our class backgrounds. There's a lot to negotiate and to understand, you know, about each other and thinking about what is truly nourishing.
0: Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Lara Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Sonia Brewer. Sonia is a body-centered psychotherapist and relationship expert in Albany, California, who specializes in helping women, couples, and partners of all sorts create extraordinary relationships. She loves helping people feel more alive, connected, and authentic in their lives and relationships, while also bringing their gifts to the world. I met Sonia when I put a call out in an entrepreneur group that I'm part of, asking if anyone could talk to me about self-care in relationships, and what better time to improve the health of both ourselves and our relationships then around Valentine's Day, which uh-huh. is when this will air. So thank you so much for being here, Sonia. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I feel a little cheesy like releasing this like on Valentine's Day, but you know. I think it's perfect. It's good, right? Yeah. You gotta have like themes and stuff. <laughs>
1: right. And there's so much pressure, right? For couples to like do something yes. special on Valentine's Day. And I you know, it gives some people something to do.
0: Absolutely. No, that's a really good point. It is. It's like a really pressure filled holiday. And then you've got the whole side of it for people who aren't in couples and there's all that drama. And then it's oh just, yeah, God. it's just, you know, it can right. be a little bit of a minefield. But yeah, actually, let's start with, you know, can you tell um, the listeners a little bit more and me <laughs> a little bit more about your work and specifically what does it mean to be a body centered psychotherapist? I love that.
1: Yes. Well, you know, I got into uh, psychotherapy because I um, I was a body worker and I grew up dancing. So the the body has always been a central way that I um, you know connected with myself, that I moved through difficult emotions. And uh, when I was working as a, a body worker um, doing massage and acupressure, um, I just would have these moments with clients where you know, they'd have emotions arise, or memories would come, or even sometimes um, trauma would surface. And I was just fascinated—like, what was happening that people could be on the table and um, and have all of this sort of opening and awakening and release happen? What was that connection? And then I stumbled upon this thing called somatic psychology, and it just blew my mind because it was exactly that—it was the study <laughs> of the interface. Between mind and body oh, and spirit, so cool. you know, to get more woo woo on it. About yeah, it, you know? yeah, yeah. So um, it just, I, I was hooked and I found a graduate program. There are only a few in the country that, that specialized in that, and I started studying somatic psychology and haven't looked back.
0: That is super cool. I'm, I'm a total psychology nerd. I mean, my undergraduate degree is in psychology and I, um, you know, my sort of training as a coach comes at things from more of a behavioral perspective. Yes. Um, because I was more interested in that. Um, and so, yeah, Oh my gosh. Like, uh, I'm so I I kind of wish that I had known there was such a program actually like back in the day I might yeah. have joined you in it. <laughs> That's yes. so cool. Well, I should let listeners know that poor Sonia has a cold today, so the, um, uh, yeah, give her a little You're giving my, my
1: deep throaty yes, like,
0: sound totally. today,
1: the sexy voice, the I sexy. Like it. Voice. <laughs>
0: Yes. So, so now that we kind of have that framework, which is, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like I, I literally want to go like sign up for a master's program in that right now. Um, but how is working with you different from working with other therapists? Yeah,
1: well, the, the biggest thing is that although I do offer talk therapy, I'm, a, I'm always um, including the body, right? Whether it's um, inviting a deeper mindfulness, right? Like, so someone's telling a story and talking about how they're feeling. And I really invite people to feel it in the body and to, mm-hmm. to speak from that place. But I also, uh, you know, invite people into movement practices. If we're learning new skills or exploring something, I will often have people get off the couch and move with whatever it is that they're exploring exploring um and then my work can also include hands-on touch um very gentle it's not like massage it's more like holding up points to bring more awareness to um different areas but you know sometimes if we're um we're exploring a theme and there's a chronic way that theme shows up i should give an example so i'm not talking so psychobabbley no no Um, you're fine like um you know, if you're someone who has trouble, you know, speaking up in the world, and then you notice, wow, there's always this, like, tightness in your jaw, right? And what happens if you start to release the jaw? And I mean, I've literally had um, a client, um, through some gentle uh, body work, release a sound that they didn't know was possible, right? Like, oh, I thought my voice was just that way. It's pretty exciting,
0: (laughs) Well, and it's so interesting too, because I I talk with my clients a lot about like, it usually comes up um, around like making decisions, mm. uh, whether it's a decision about, you know, what to eat or what to do in a professional situation or, or um, how to move their body or whatever that, you know, yes, like your body is such a great source of information. And the framework right. that often comes up with my clients is like, you know, and I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but, you know, you can feel when the answer is yes. Like your body feels, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like your body feels a certain way when the answer is yes versus when the answer is no or when when the the path you know that you're about to take might cause you harm or like it tells you right just like you know i also you know work with with women to to tune into their bodies in terms of how food affects them right because yeah. a lot of people have lost that too but just what you're saying like our body is such a great source of information and we tend to ignore it that's right yeah i love that and and so what kinds of so what kinds of um i guess i'll call them issues or challenges maybe is a better word are you helping Individuals and couples move through with that framework. Absolutely. Well,
1: you know, uh, in terms of individuals, I work a lot with women who are um, navigating issues around leadership, around um, how to bring them their authentic selves, you know, into their work life and into their world, how to embody their leadership, right? So that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, especially for women, you know, so many of us have been trained, um, you know, to follow the rules, especially for high achievers, you know, and um, to sort of stay within these boundaries. But the models of leadership um, uh, that most of us grew up with aren't really, they don't fit they're not, they don't feel good to us. They're not, you know, what works for most, um, I think, people, but uh, women mm-hmm. especially that I'm working with. And so I do a lot of work around helping women find um, a path towards to uh, embodied leadership that really resonates with them and feels authentic to them. And then with couples, you know, I, I do a lot of work around um, really um, for folks to think outside the box, Right. It, my work is a lot about, you know, letting go of the old rules, whatever those old rules, you know, we grew up with about what relationships are supposed to look like Mm. and creating relationships that actually work today for modern people. Uh, And, um, you know, so a lot of work again around, you know, most of my uh, couples are, you know, both people are working. Many of them are really um, successful and dedicated you know, professionals who, you know, really care about the work they're doing in the world. And so how do you create a relationship when you're in such a kind of high powered, high pressured dynamic? You know, I don't work with, uh, end up working with a lot of housewives or people like that. It's really like Mm -hmm. people who are on a path and have a mission. And then they're all kind of thinking of self care. There are all kinds of ways that people lose track of each other, of their own, um, uh, their connection, their communication, their sexuality, you know, when you're working really hard, it can be hard to sustain that kind of aliveness. It's kind of like your work then gets the best of you and, you know, everybody else gets the dregs. So how, you know, helping couples really um, define their relationships and create relationships that work for them in the circumstances that we live in and not based on some,
0: you know, fantasy about how it's supposed to be. Oh my goodness. I feel like I should work with you. (laughs) I'm just going to have a moment of vulnerability right now and be like, I feel like I need to work with Sonia. Um, So how do you, that's so interesting, especially when you're talking about how, you know, when you have both halves of the couple being sort of high powered, you know, high achieving people. And, you know, I can totally relate to that in the, the conflict that shows up in that situation. I mean, I guess, you know, conflict shows up in all kinds of relationships, but how do you see, since you mentioned self-care and since obviously that's what we're talking about, how do you see self-care specifically show up in relationships and how does it affect the dynamic between partners?
1: Yeah. I actually, I feel like it's the most common thing. I mean, people don't come talking about self-care, right. but if I boil down this, the what I'm seeing most often with people it's that they are so full you know everybody's over scheduled the kids are over scheduled the people the, in, the adults are over. you know everybody's over scheduled you know nobody has time for it you know like how do we balance our bacon you want us to have a conversation about our budget when are we going to do that <laughs> we can't even eat we don't know when we're going to eat we're all <laughs> eating out because there's no time for food or grocery shopping or even thinking about what we might want to eat right like it's yeah. just the level of intensity um, that so many folks, partic- I mean, I'm in an, a very urban environment, so particularly in um, sort of urban culture is, it's just, it's really overwhelming for a lot of people. And um, prioritizing self-care in the midst of, you know, again, these high achievement, always on kind of um, professional paths it, it is, is a feat for a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. I mean I literally sometimes work with people on like, okay, you're gonna actually turn your phone off. Oh, yeah. You know, just yeah. a little just a little bit of the totally. day, your phone is gonna be off. How about yeah. that? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Just before bed. I know that comes up a lot too, because I mean, yeah, I'm working with the same kinds of, you know, specifically women that you're talking about. And yeah, sometimes it's just those tiny little shifts that you have to like the baby steps that you have to take, Absolutely. you know, to just get started down that path. And That's right. and also recognizing that those are the things that help you actually show up, right? And, and be who you need to be. I'm curious how, um, you know, when we first talked, I, I, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, couples that have different views on self-care or, um, (laughs) right. And like how that, you know, gets in the way. Can you talk, I'm curious about that specifically.
1: Oh, I think that's really important because also, you know, self-care is So relative, and it's informed by our histories and our cultures and our class backgrounds, right? Like, you know, one person in in the couple sees self care as, you know, taking vacations, and their family went on vacation every year, and you know, that's like in their cultural, you know, cultural experience. And the other person's like, you know, maybe from a working class background, and you know, they didn't really do big traveling, vacations, right? Self-care is just like getting Mm -hmm. to, like, come home at the end of the day and watch TV, you know? So there's a lot to negotiate and to understand, you know, about each other and thinking about what is truly nourishing. And there are some times where, you know, Something looks like a coping mechanism, but it really does help a person reset, Mm. right? But the other person, that thing would not be, you know, a healthy way for them to kind of reset their system. And so, you know, getting curious about each other, getting curious about ourselves, because we also have to learn, you know, many of us, right, as we're reconnecting with our bodies, we have to learn like, oh, what is actually going to work here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. what is going to help me feel, you know, like I love to cook. You know, and it's, it's kind of shocking, but you know, some people coming home and cooking is like, you know, totally stressful or something. But yeah. for me coming home and having the space to cook, even just chopping, like the, the process of chopping vegetables, it like puts me in the, yes. zip, like it's a like meditation a meditation yeah. for me. Right. <laughs> so, but it might not, you know, my partner, it would not be a meditation for her. She'd be like, ah.
0: oh my God. <laughs> She's you like, know, here are you doing the
1: suffering? Yeah. So, you know, that's something that you learn about each other as you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And how do you recommend that, that couple sort of, um, as you said, negotiate that? Like what, what, is there any specific, um, I don't know, a specific conversation, specific language? I mean, cause it can be, I, I speak from personal experience, right? Where I have had, you know, um, men in my life who don't approach self-care in the same way that I do. And I personally have had, I mean, again, I'm having like moments of vulnerability here, but like, you know, I personally have had a hard time with that because it is such a priority for me. So, you know, and I see that, you know, happen a fair amount. Like how do you recommend people deal with that kind of misalignment, I guess? Yeah, totally.
1: And, you know, I think it's not just you. I I think it's in the culture, right. Mm. That particularly I think, um, uh, this is this can be a big gender difference oh interesting right, that men have really been trained to go 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 or to see um downtime as a particular as a, like to seek entertainment as downtime okay. right huh. so there can be that discrepancy gender wise I see that actually a lot and you know again the place where I have couples start all assume that nobody's wrong Mm-hmm. right let's mm-hmm. let's just assume that we are different and then let's get curious about what what those differences are about and um and then let's see where we can meet each other you know so i don't know if you've heard of um uh the five love languages it's a yes like i
0: love that, that framework manner, whatever, yeah right and you know and for those I, who, <laughs> who don't know i'll put the the link in the show notes um because yeah. it's a great framework i'll let it's you know. it's so it helpful is. right yeah. like
1: to think about the fact that each of us has, you know, primary languages, love languages. And, you know, I would actually extend that to all kinds of things. You know, we each have, you know, particular ways that we approach self care or ways that we feel nourished and ways that we feel cared for. And so, you know, one of the gifts of that framework is then when you discover your partners, for example, love languages, you can go, Oh, right. Like I know that I really love acts of service. It's such a big deal when, you know, I come home and my partner is taken care of, I don't know, taking out the garbage, but you know, she really loves quality time. He really loves, um, you know, physical affection, right? So you start to extend in that way. And it's the same thing with thinking about self-care. So we have these differences. We're starting to understand, you know, what feels really nourishing and relaxing to you and what feels really nourishing and relaxing to me. And how can we offer opportunities um, to each other, you know, to have those kinds of experiences? And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll join you and sometimes you'll join me and, you know, and we can kind of co-create it but really honoring our you know individual preferences and needs
0: yeah yeah and i think that that's that word preferences is one that really like resonates you know with me and i'm sure with others like that's really the thing it's like we're individual human beings with with different preferences preferences and to your point it doesn't mean that one of us is wrong and i think that sometimes we get so attached i certainly have in my you know past gotten attached to certain ways of doing things that you know someone doesn't necessarily prefer to do them that way Um, so thank you for sharing that. And thank you for bringing up the love languages because, you know, for listeners who have not, um, looked into that it it really is such a helpful helpful framework and actually i I don't know if you know this sony but they've also um the same researchers wrote a book applying the same framework in the workplace which is really interesting oh that's great i haven't seen that one yeah it's very similar i mean the you know the love languages are a little bit different but they're they're very similar and it and it helps you um sort of have those same kinds of you know positive interactions with your how people feel appreciated in the workplace Great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah isn't that great yeah i know yeah so that's um that's so great. i I'm, I wish I had like another hour to just dig into this. And although, you know, I, I have to be careful not to turn it into a therapy session for me because that would not be fair to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> not to you or to any of us. I don't session. know, I learn a lot watching therapy sessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Actually, that probably would be fairly educational. Hey there, it's Laura here. Want to take a quick break from the interview to let you know that i just posted three new and free online workshops for 2019 we'll talk eating for energy unconscious stories getting in your way and taking care of you to take care of business and that's just in the next few months Visit laradolchcom slash workshops to save your spot in upcoming workshops and start your 2019 with the clarity, energy, and confidence you need to achieve your big dreams in career and life. That's laradolchcom slash workshops. I'm curious about you. Um, I always like to talk to my guests about their sort of personal relationship with self-care yeah. and, and what does that mean for you at this point in your life, whether you think of it as self-care or well-being or how do you define that right now?
1: Yeah, you know, that is a good question. I've really been deep in that question right now because I am, you know, I have a private practice that is really full and flourishing. And then I'm also on the board of a nonprofit organization that is in a a lot of transition right now. And so um, I'm actually working like more than I've worked in like years it's a little bit it's a little bit crazy so I'm like in this mantra right now it's like okay life is full I'm feeling a lot of pressure there's a lot to do but pressure is not stress pressure is not overwhelm pressure is just pressure right (laughs) and a lot of the things that I would normally do like you know I'm naturally a kind of slow moving person I like to take my time you know I like to enjoy the the kind of uh, good things in life, you know, yes,
0: um, totally like like that.
1: Meals and connecting with friends and hanging out. And right now, those things that are really like the mainstay of how I nourish myself, I don't really have the space to do as much. And so I'm sort of like, OK, what does self-care look like right now? You know, yeah. um, and it's really basic things. Like, if I don't have time to cook, it's making sure that I still have really good, high-quality food available, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, even if I have to subscribe to some meal service (laughs) or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm also really trying to attend to my sleep just, like, rigorously. Like, no matter what, I have got to be in bed at a certain time, um, partly because I just wake up now, strangely, at, like, five or six o'clock in the morning isn't that Sorry,
0: annoying no i know like no matter what time you go to bed no yeah. no matter what time i, I go have to the bed. same problem <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what is that are you able know. to do anything i've never had this problem now i'm like oh it's 5 a.m okay it's
0: time. guess I'm-, I'm up right
1: so you know it's like i'm i sort of right now i'm going back to the basics food yeah. sleep
0: <laughs> yeah. water <laughs> totally. That's so funny because, you know, we're recording this obviously in January, and um, I have a, a group um, of women that I work with who are sort of graduates, so to speak, of my Vibrant Health Playbook program and um, are in an extension of that called Vibrant Health Life. And we set monthly themes. Um, and the theme for January is Back to Basics because I feel like that's such a. I'm hearing that so much. It's like after the holidays, it's like go, go, go. And then you're like, okay, I got to like bring it down a notch. And like, what's really important as far as um, the self-care. And to your point, like the sleep, the food, <laughs> you know, like, let me just get control of these um, sort of non-negotiables is what, you know, I like exactly. to Exactly. That's
1: right. That's yeah. how I feel about them too.
0: Well, and it sounds like too, that you have adjusted what self-care means, like just in the way you described it, that you've adjusted it to fit what's happening in your life right now. Is that, is that right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I feel like I, um, I, have been careful because, you know, I'm in, you know, in California, there's a whole culture of, you know, around self-care and really valuing, valuing the individual's needs, you know, that people have. And, um, I find that, that, um, that way of thinking can encourage people to stop when things get hard or, Mm. you know, there's like this way that people can privilege, like the feel good, you know, even when, um, you know, there's actually something we might need to stick to, you know? So for example, you know, with this nonprofit, I actually love the work that they do and I really care about it, you know, and I care about the organization and it's, uh, you know, my values are deeply aligned with the work of the organization. And, you know, it's going through a, a moment right now. So it requires some stick to itness, yeah. you know. And if I were to sort of um, uh, take the attitude of like, well, you know, this is too hard, I'm working too much, you know, I might, I might quit, I might leave, you know. And that's okay for some people to choose. But I actually really feel like sometimes it's worth it to stick it out when things get hard. Um, and so it requires some adjusting. I won't do it for five years or 10 years, but I can say I can commit this amount of time to this project.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like it adds value to your life. Like I feel like that potentially, I don't know, you tell me if that's the, what it is for you, but I feel like that's, you know, one of the ways to make that kind of decision is it's still adding value to my life. I'm obviously feel very strongly about adding value to it. And you know, where's that kind of middle ground? I don't know. What are your thoughts about that?
1: I, you know, I really agree. Like, you know, I've been, uh, I was really inspired by that um book by Simon Sinek uh Start with Why. Yeah. You know that book. I, yeah, I do. he, does, he has a TED Talk too and I was really um I've just been in this almost daily meditation of like what's my why, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of been my compass point for okay, is this in alignment, you know, with what I'm up to uh as a person, like an alignment with my, my, my sense of purpose. And, you know, if it is, and I feel inspired then I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And then if it isn't, you know, then maybe it's time to, to start to shift.
0: You know? Totally. Well, and I would be willing to bet that you are, you know, sort of good at using your body to help you decide whether or right. not, right. It's, it's, it's in alignment in That's some right. way. What yeah. does that feel like for you actually, just, just to go back to the whole body center thing, like for you personally, how does that show up in your body if you're willing mm-hmm. to
1: yeah you know for me there's this internal kind of um quality of expansion I can feel it right through my torso it's like when I tune in and I go okay like is it time for me to you know do I want to keep going you know and something in me sort of opens and settles I can go right like there's something here for me and I literally mm-hmm. feel my body kind of settle into that You know, and if it's not often, it'll just show up as like a contraction or sort of this kind of um, catch in my breath where it's like hard to get a a deep breath um, when I feel like I'm kind of going against myself, you know. Um, So I'm really listening for that in this moment because I'm, you know, working at the level that I'm working and it's requiring, you know, something different of me. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. so far, mostly I can go, nope, this still feels right.
0: Yeah. I love that, that, that expansion and contraction. I think that's such a great description of it. That's how it feels for me too. I'm curious about, so you've talked a little bit about what your priorities are as far as self-care right now, you know, with the sleep and the food and, you know, is there a, is there a specific, um, habit that sort of disproportionately affects the way you show up on your day or your ability to be successful? Is there one thing that really like really makes the biggest difference in maybe a surprising way?
1: food. Most food
0: possibly. yeah
1: yeah what i'm fueling myself with yeah yeah uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt yeah if i eat the wrong stuff it is just all bad i can't think i'm like all like uh, you know <laughs> it's just it's awful And i'm like in session and i'm sleepy and i'm heavy Ooh, yeah and, you know?
0: totally yeah yeah, that's a good that's a good reminder, right? It's like and it's like what I was saying earlier. Like people sort of have, I think, disconnected from like, you know, how food affects mood and that's um, right. energy and that sort of thing. That's a great, great example yeah. of it. What about a morning ritual? I always like to ask about morning rituals, mostly because I love mornings. Like I'm definitely, I don't know if I would be considered a classic morning person, but I love building time. I mean, I'll get up earlier if I have to to make sure that I have A relaxed morning, so that's part of my morning ritual is allowing myself that space and time. Do you have anything that you incorporate into your mornings that that helps you feel you know set up for the day?
1: Yeah, well, I do. um, I have set up my day so that I don't generally have to be at um, work in the morning, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I have fairly leisurely um, mornings. And um, I really, I like to just wake up slowly, move slowly, have some time, and then I generally have um, breakfast with my partner. It's a time that we connect, which is always really That's nice, lovely. And, um, you know, and then I just try to orient to my day. So I have a, a really nice, spacious um, uh, entry into the day.
0: It's very helpful for me. Yeah. How would you, you know, I I think about, you and I are so lucky that we have that kind of control over our schedule um, as sort of independent professionals and and entrepreneurs. is um, Is there something that you can... Maybe it's come up, something that's come up with couples you've worked with on it. I'm just thinking out loud here, but like something that you can recommend to women who don't have that kind of flexibility to create that sense of spaciousness anyway. Well, that's kind I of a broad question, but
1: no, it's okay. I I, I, um, I actually do talk about this, particularly with couples because I um because of this thing with the compressed time and how how sort of um much I see modern couples struggling with making space for connection. Mm -hmm. Um, I really encourage um, couples to have rituals, just small rituals of connection you know, um, and that includes, you know, um, the transition points. So when you wake up in the morning, how do you greet each other? You know, when you're leaving the house, how do you say goodbye? You know, do you share meals? You know, how are you with the kids? You know, is there family time at breakfast? Is there space for that? If there isn't, you know, what are little ways that you can make sure that you connect, you know, leaving notes for each other or, you know, just really um, finding ways to tend the relationship that it doesn't take a lot of time, but it just lets you to in you know i also encourage couples in those moments where they're you know doing the morning kiss or the you know the goodbye moment to really take a moment and stop and just look at each other look it into each other's eyes and really sort of hold your partner's preciousness just for that instant yeah you know before you transition into the into the rest of your life um can make a huge difference and then you know individuals i i say the same thing which is um even if it's just a minute that you take to really tune into yourself, you know, where you say your body's morning, you know, and just take a few deep breaths and be with yourself um, is such a gift. You know, we're just moving so fast. And um, I'm really trying to encourage all my clients to find places to pause, you know, just a little bit.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's that's interesting. I, you know, I'm realizing that as you're saying that that's part of what happens for me because there are some mornings that I don't I can't get up quite so early or I have an early appointment and so I don't have as much time. And I think in those moments what happens for me is like I have a little candle on my kitchen table and that's one of the first things I do is light that candle and get a glass of water. And even if all I do is drink that glass of water while I'm looking at the candle. <laughs> you know, I know it sounds sort of silly, but it's like, that's that pause. And then if I have to, you know, keep moving quickly after that, it's fine. But I've had that moment to just pause. I love that, that pausing framework. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One other question around your self-care routine. Is there something that you, um, that's especially fun for you about your self-care routine? Something that you really look forward to and brings you joy. The thing that I've
1: been thinking a lot about, um, in terms of my own self care, but also talking to a lot of clients about, is sex. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, think- yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that sex can be a uh, a form of self care and relationship care, and totally. um, you know, uh, I often it's sort of the last thing on people's to-do list in, in this way. Um, but I, I think that it can be really nourishing and um, kind of enlivening to include uh, sexuality in the self-care practice. So that's, that. that's been one of my going back to the basics.
0: Yes, totally. Well, and I love that as we're wrapping up the interview, that that's what, that sex came up. I thought that makes me so happy. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it's so funny. We don't think about that as self-care. We think about it as You know, yeah, of course, you know, it's fun and, you know, and it's a way to connect with our partner. But yeah, we don't necessarily think about it as self-care either. And I, I love that. Yeah, That's such a great point. Yeah, I mean,
1: I really think, um, particularly if you're having sex that is really good, you know, that it's a way to tap into your kind of life force energy, you know, yes. into your essence and, um, you know, colors are brighter. Yes, indeed. You just feel
0: healthier. I mean, I, I don't know, I'm like, right? I mean, I you feel know? like you feel healthier when you're having regular sex. You like- know,
1: and then there's that oxytocin boost, right? Like you get the biochemical boost, you know, to your mood. I just think
0: it's good for you. I'm with you, sister. I am. I, yeah, for sure. So on that note, what is, uh, which is such a great note to end on, what's next for you? What are you excited about?
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm very excited. I have two courses coming up. One is called Money Talks, an introduction to financial intimacy for couples. So uh, I'm really excited to get couples talking more about money and, and how we can have uh, really more uh, successful conversations about money and, and bring that uh, that awareness into the, into the way yeah. we think about um, intimacy. And then the other uh, course that I have coming up is called Igniting Desire, and it, um, it's an introduction uh, to, um, you know, awakening sexuality for women. Yeah, and, and, you know, I've talked about women in the past, and I just I love women. I love helping women rediscover uh, their passion and their aliveness so uh yeah it's it's good stuff
0: that's great and do you i i didn't even think to ask you this really do you work with people in other places or just locally in person
1: I work mostly in uh, locally in person. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, yeah, that's what I thought. But um, that's, uh, that's those both classes sound great. So for anyone who lives in that area, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely check out um, Sonia's website, which, you know, where can people learn more about you and about these classes and your Absolutely,
1: work? Absolutely, yeah, just at www.soniabrewer.com um, and it just says work with me and my groups are right there.
0: Awesome. I will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Sonia. I know this is going to help so many people. And, um, I love, I love that we ended on such a a joyful and positive and sort of energetic note. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.
0: That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit laradolchcom slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe in the iTunes store or in Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, I so appreciate your reviews and recommendations because they help me reach as many women on the rise as possible. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women forward workspace designed for community, work, and wellness. Not just a desk and a co working space, the Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support, resources, and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Fremont neighborhoods. And the third location will open this year in LA. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co that's co slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co slash women on the rise.